The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. I am Professor Snipe, and this is the Potterhood Podcast with Nico Wright, and we're Poznan. You're here to enjoy the subtle science and exact art of podcasting. As there's a little foolish wand waving here, many of you will hardly believe this is magic. However, for those select few who possess the predisposition, enjoy the show. Four, three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back here at the Potterhood Podcast. I am Nico White. I'm Will Posnan. And this is episode what, Will? What, 23, epi- MJ. Episode 23. Like MJ, this is going to be the greatest one of all time, or at least till this time. <laughs> and we have the most special of special guests joining us via Skype. For this episode, Will, why don't you please introduce the man that I'm a very big fan of. So our our guest runs uh, one of the best YouTube channels about Harry Potter that there is. Uh, he is making some of the most interesting Harry Potter-related projects that I've heard of uh-huh. in a variety of mediums. Uh-huh. Our guest is Justin Zagri. And uh, Justin, can you tell can you tell the people about your channel, please? It's great to be here, guys. Oh, th- really thank you uh, very much for bringing me on. No doubt, brother. Thank, thank you, you for being a part of it. You don't yeah. understand. I found your work. Look, I was looking at um. There's another new YouTube channel called Movie Flame, right? And I saw yeah. Snape and the Marauders in the related videos, and I clicked it. And I was so impressed because I don't. Of course, I don't know what your budgets were or anything like that. But I assume they weren't like huge budgets. But you boys did amazing work. Amazing work. From characterizing James Potter, who I truly can't stand, if you listen to the podcast, <laughs> you'd understand him and Dumbledore right up there for two of the people that I have big beefs with. And I understand sure. you're a very big Dumbledore fan. He's my favorite character. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad to have you so we can argue. Yeah, this is this was not meant to be a setup. But, <laughs> <laughs> but to the way, from the way you guys ca- characterize James Potter to the way you ca- characterize Snape, it made Snape somebody that you can feel sorry for, but in a more human way than I think even the movies did. So, big kudos to you, sir. Tell the folks that listen to the podcast. Yeah, about, uh, about broad strokes. Tell them, a, yeah, we want to know. Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. Um, so, I created uh, the first fan film pretty, sh- pretty close out of college because... Um, I, my college thesis, uh, which was like this little romance film, did good in, in theaters, but it didn't really get much attention outside of or, uh, yeah, festivals, I meant to say. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it didn't really get a lot of attention uh, in the industry. So Which, uh, which festivals did you that take if I was going to? Cre- cre- keep... oh. oh, just little ones in L.A. and New York. Uh, I actually went to one in New York, and it was called, I think it was called Valentine's Festival, um, uh, just to see the film release so I could have an excuse to go to New York. Um, but it was all little things. Um, uh, 
then um, I decided if I was going to keep making shorts that I want to make sure they get attention. And I know that fan films are getting a lot of attention, and I got really inspired by this fan film based off the video game Portal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was called Portal No Escape by uh, a director named Dan Trachtenberg, and he launched his career with that. He uh, he went and he went on to make Ten Cloverfield Lane, wow, and was uh, briefly attached to uh, Uncharted for a minute there. Wow. Okay. So, um, I was like, okay, that's where I'm gonna go, man. But I, I there's a lot of things I love, right? I love Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Star Wars is great. Um, and I love Harry Potter, but Harry Potter, nobody was really making fan films. There was like maybe one or two and they weren't really around. Um, so I said, I'll do that. And I read all the books again. And the first story idea I found was when Aberforth Dumbledore, Albus's brother was talking about how their sister died. Um, and I just thought it was a fantastic, uh, uh, idea for a story. Like it's a three way duel and, Grindelwald is like the, the the Voldemort of the time, but right. <clears throat> he had a very close friendship with Dumbledore. Dumbledore was in love with Grindelwald. Grindelwald was taking advantage of him. They had a huge fight, and in the crossfire, Ariana dies. Yes. And I was like, that's there's so many emotions there. That's perfect. And there's a big duel, and everyone on YouTube loves loves special effects. So you videos. didn't you didn't think that maybe Disney would want to make that into a feel good story somehow? <laughs> Or whoever owns, Disney owns Harry Potter, right? I don't I don't even know. No, uh, Warner Brother owned Harry got Potter, it. and uh, Universal recently got the rights. Okay. Um, Jesus so, Christ! Yeah, it's not it's you, not Disney at all. Got um, it. Oh, they're in the rivalry, so Harry Potter is up against the Avengers. Basically, yeah. <laughs> um, but so I made that on a budget of like two thousand dollars, and then put it out there, and I was expecting like maybe two hundred thousand views, and. It's currently sitting at 10 million. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That got me a fan base, and they said, oh, we want to see more. So I put out a poll with a bunch of options. Um, Do I do a Voldemort, uh, um, like, uh, introduction story, like a backstory kind of thing? Do I do a story about the four founders of Hogwarts? Do I do a story about the Marauders? And just it was overwhelmingly voted due to the Marauders. I, 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 was, um, I was just about to say, that must have been a landslide victory. Like, what was what was the discrepancy as far as points are concerned? Can Do you remember percentage-wise? It was like 80% Marauders. Thought, okay. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I thought so. It was, it was no contest. The only one that came close was the four found. Yeah, that sounds interesting game. to me, too. Now, yeah. When you casted it, because it's one thing to make a poll, right? We make polls for things that we think people will enjoy. But when you saw the overwhelming consensus being the Marauders, did that put any added pressure on you for like, I can't afford to fuck this up? Especially considering the fact that this was a new fan base to you. It didn't really bother me whether or not I screwed it up. (laughs) Uh, At least as far as the fans were concerned. Um, I know that I just wanted to tell the most realistic story I could based on the information that was given. And I wanted to make sure that these characters uh, had a strong arc, like they had something to learn. Um, And Snape is my second favorite character. He would be my favorite if he weren't such a jerk, but at least Dumbledore is a nicer guy. Wait a sec. Even though he's he's super manipulative. Um, Snape is just mean let, let let's 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 pause right here for a moment in our spectacular conversation with just so you think that dumbledore <laughs> is a nicer man than snake because he's just not rude 
nicer in general yeah he's he'd be he'd happily offer you to sit you down and have some tea while snape will make fun of your overbite wait no 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 so. dumbledore was so rude to people like umbridge he would just do it at above their intelligence intelligence but level how, so they wouldn't how get much now, we, how you, much do we enjoy him I, being rude to umbridge i was gonna like say worse than voldemort i don't want i don't want him to be nice to umbridge you know yeah. what I'm saying? Now, that's Will that yeah. said that to you. I don't necessarily want him to be nice But to he was capable of being rude. What I'm saying is, is that he's the type of guy who's kind of responsible for all of this shit and watched a lot of things happen really hands off without, putting, without doing anything to prevent it. So, right. for those reasons, knowing as much as he knew, being as responsible for things that he, were respo- he was responsible for, for me anyway, yeah. He might not be as rude as Snape, but I would much rather have Snape around than Wait, have Dumbledore. That's what, just me personally. And let me just say, for me, uh, I had a big problem with him enabling Cedric Diggory's death in the fourth book. He has a lot of culpability for that. I'm still madder about him being rude to Umbridge. I want to die on that hill. That well, you, so you, can, you can die on that hill. I Fuck Umbridge. <laughs> I mean, those are those are fair points. Like, I can't argue them. It's still, it. I think it uh, adds to why I think Dumbledore is uh, such a f- fascinating character. Uh, I don't look at these guys and go, um, "Do I? How do I feel if, about him if he were the principal of my school?" I look at him and go, "Is he a fun read?" True. What's yeah. he gonna do next? I, For sure. I look at him the same way. But see, I'm I'm also an anime fan, right? And he comes into that trope in anime of that master who. Knew everything, could have stopped everything, but didn't when he had the chance, and now everybody else is paying for it. And that's always been the type of character that I've always had a bit of a beef with, right? So <laughs> it's just one it's one of those liter- literary tropes that even when I read him, he's so annoying. Because it's like, you knew, and yeah. you were powerful enough to stop this, and you didn't. And because you didn't, people have to suffer. Mm. Where somebody like Snape is in that... um. That literary device of the character who he doesn't walk the right path per se, right? He's in that weird area that's shaded gray. You know, mm. he's willing to do bad to see his goals come to fruition, right? And wait, here's how I'll defend Snape, and this is a real point, not like the Umbridge thing. Uh, yeah, have you? I don't know if you guys have read *To Kill a Mockingbird*, but there's a character in *To Kill a Mockingbird* early in the story who introduced this mean old lady who lives on her porch. And the main character of To Kill a Mockingbird is this kid, and she goes to her dad, and she goes, how come people tolerate this mean old lady being such a mean old lady to everybody? And the dad explains that that mean old lady is kicking a heroin addiction, and that is why she is so mean to everybody, but everybody is tolerant of it because they are all supportive of her kicking that addiction. I think similarly, people underrate how stressful Snape's job was post Lily dying for the rest of his life. And when somebody has a job that stressful, I will forgive uh, rudeness 10 times out of 10. And that's the real yeah, way. I mean, his yeah. decision to help save the wizarding world. That's the, that's the facts. And he knew that's... all the facts. He's the one guy who knew everything and was powerless to shape it because he had bought into Dumbledore's business plan, basically. As opposed to somebody like Dumbledore who also knew all the facts and had the power to stop it, exactly. but didn't stop anything. So that's why... I think, when that's, he... I think that's why why he's so fascinating, is he had the power to stop them, mm-hmm. but he knows that power is his weakness. 
and he knows that if he took that power like the one ring or something mm -hmm. then he would take advantage of it he's had a taste of it before uh, in a previous life like with grindelwald and the first and the early wizarding war in europe and he basically and this is not necessarily i'm, I'm not defending him because he could have used that power to shape events and where less people died um, but he was he was afraid that if he used that power, more people would die than for him to be involved in the shadows. And he felt like that that's the only area that he could cover. And you know, you can easily argue like, well, that's the wrong thing to do. Um, and from an omniscient perspective, where you're looking at you know his mind and everyone else's mind and how things eventually turned out, um, you're like, yeah, Dumbledore should have done that. But Dumbledore's not perfect. He's very experienced and wise, but. From his mind, he felt like he was doing the right thing. Some, some of it was the right thing to do. Others were not. And he did make mistakes. Um, and that's, that's what makes him so cool is that he's the most powerful wizard alive. So, of course, he had to die, of course. Of course. Um, and, and yet he's fallible. And he's afraid of his own power. And mm -hmm. Voldemort is not. They even say that in the very first pages of the books there where Dumbledore was like, I don't know if I could take Voldemort. And uh, uh, Professor... Um, McGonagall mm -hmm. said, "You totally could have. You just don't want to do some of the things that Voldemort is doing." Mm-hmm. It's it's one. It's kind of like that Batman thing. But my thing when it comes to like everything that you just said was uh, <coughs> fantastic. Um, points. I, I never thought of that Lord of the Rings parallel. To that to that end, though, it's one of those things where a character based off their experiences should know how to act. And Dumbledore seems to be one of those characters that never truly learned. And that to me is what makes him interesting. Because yeah. with all his experiences, he kept playing the same role of, I know I can stop this, but I won't. Even right. when he was put in those predicaments. Because when you look at what happened with Voldemort and how he had to leave it to Harry, he left it up to somebody else until he had to go at Grindelwald because of his um, connections and all yeah. of that. And so right. history tends to repeat itself. So even with all the experiences that he gained, it didn't change the fact that this is how he acts. He's a fence sitter until he doesn't have to sit on the fence anymore. The only slight right. differences as he got older was, I'm not going to be directly on the fence. I'm going to put other people around the fence and have right. them go into action. He stacked the fence. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right. It's, it's, it's tough to make decisions as a leader like that. You know, some of them I didn't agree with, but again, that's what makes him interesting. And uh, the, you know, when he fought Voldemort in book five, it was amazing, just as yeah. amazing as the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and then book six, he's working directly with Harry, realizing that cutting him off was a mistake. Mm -hmm. um, and then he dies uh, in in book six, and he's on his own. So all he could do was like write little clues. Um, Here's and, one. And in his infinite wisdom, because he's like, you'll you'll grow stronger for figuring out the clues yourself rather than me just writing it out in a manual. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's 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 like his personality, and that's that's why he's my favorite character. Because I would love to have it to sit with tea and like look past his look past those spectacles and be like, what's going on in that head, man? He he's. Um, I don't know if you ever watched. Um, I don't know if you're an anime guy, but like, like I said, I'm a big anime guy. He's um he would be Jiraiya from Naruto, the man that the man that trains up the main character, gets yeah. him right, protects him. He, he yeah. you know he knew the family and all that stuff, and he dies looking for information. 
You know what I mean? Right. And to make sure that everybody after he's gone is taken care of by leaving little clues. Because the same thing Jariah did. So for those reasons, I find him interesting. He's still one of the characters I have a top five beef with. But, <laughs> sure. And that'll never change, but that's because of how he's written. That's because of how I feel about characters of that trope. Well, here is uh, yeah. the one thing I will say, because uh, your point about uh, Dumbledore avoiding power because he can't trust himself with it and the parallels to characters in Lord of the Rings. I'd never thought about that, and that is such a insightful point, and it does inform how I view Dumbledore as a fence sitter. But the one thing I will say is if you're going to sit on the fence, let somebody else get the Elder Wand. Like, he could have... <laughs> Wouldn't you trust Aberforth with the Elder Wand so much more than Albus? Oh, so no. just keep it in the God, family. No. You wouldn't want to. Okay, so tell me why, and then you guys can debate James Potter or something. But so Aberforth God, with the Elder Wand, why is that a bad idea? He's such a cranky, resentful old man. He didn't even want to be a part of it. He's not a part of the equation. I mean, he just was like, I'm, no, I'm gonna we're, hold. We're, we're all, he was practically nihilistic. He's like, we're done. I ain't gonna hold you. Dumbledore was a pretty cranky fucking old man. Both, well, yeah, he was such a sweet old man. He, I mean, he he was cranky at times. You could see, you could tell when he was when he gets angry. With with Umbridge, he was. Chill, dude. You sh you shut your goddamn mouth, with. All right, so I want you to join us on a segment that we do here called. What if they were black? What, you want to jump in the what if they were black right now? Oh, you want to do a different segment? I was gonna have them sort with us. Oh yeah, let's do some sorting. So. We pick a historical figure, or we pick somebody in real life, and we put them into a Hogwarts house. So let me ask okay. you, do you know anything of the um, black historian James Baldwin? No. No? <laughs> Darn it. Are you a f okay, and, no, you, and Nico... Him, but, I, but I would not be able to make an informed decision on who, where he's sorted. Well, Fair what enough. about your... You, you love Star Wars, Nico. Are you a Star Wars fan? I'm a decent enough Star Wars Okay, fan. so why don't we sort yeah, a, a couple of Star Wars characters? I love Star Wars, too. Okay, fuck it. Let's do it. Then. And we'll save James Baldwin for... Uh... We'll save James Baldwin for the end, me and you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, bro. Sort Qui-Gon Jinn with me. What house <laughs> you putting him in? Qui-Gon Jinn? Mm -hmm. That's a tough one. Ain't it? I, I can tell. Yeah, it's it's tough because he was not written terribly well, um, <laughs> and because Liam Neeson did a really good job of taking that. That's Liam Neeson. That's Liam Neeson. That's Liam. Ne Bullshit. That's Nico Liam Neeson. has a joke about Liam Neeson that is one of the funniest jokes I've heard. I I, uh, I have a. I'm a comedian, and I have a bit about Liam. Ne Bullshit. That's, that's Liam Neeson. That's Liam Neeson. It's not Liam Neeson. Yeah. No, it, it is, but wow. Okay. Nico didn't know that was Liam I Neeson. I didn't know he was Liam he has Neeson, a four dog. Minute Liam Neeson joke that's phenomenal. Wow. Wait, That'll probably be a real. You didn't know Qui Gon Jim was Liam Neeson? Nigga, no, I didn't know that was Liam Neeson. I had no clue. Oh my God. I didn't know who Liam Neeson was. I didn't know that was him on. Um... He only knew about Liam Neeson because Liam Neeson said like the racist thing over the summer. Yeah. And he's been. Talking about Liam Neeson, but he didn't know his Qui Gon Jinn. I didn't know he didn't know his Qui Gon Jinn. Fuck, man. And I like Qui Gon Jinn. Go ahead, Justin. I'm sorry to cut you off. You just blew my mind. No, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, to be fair, Liam Neeson's portrayal of Qui Gon Jinn was the most interesting part of the movie. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, but he's he does his own thing. He doesn't really like reporting to the council. He doesn't really like. Uh, he's not he's not much of a team player. He's a bit of a rogue. He's slightly gray. Yeah. Um, and he's a good leader and a good teacher. But again, he's he'd be happy doing his own thing rather than, you know, mm -hmm. answering to Yoda. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking 
maybe a Slytherin. Really? Wow. Okay. okay. I mean, he's definitely I, no I don't Hufflepuff. Think Slytherins is bad because that's Harry's bias as he's growing up. I look at Slytherins from a per, op, open perspective, and they're they're. Uh, Nico they're also very pro Slytherin, yeah. and they're shrewd. See, and, uh, me, me, yeah. me, and you. Whenever you're in New York, make sure you reach out to me. We'll grab coffee. We agree on Slytherin. I never, I never thought Slytherin was inherently evil or anything like that. Even, even when you look at some of the characters, I feel like it's, um, it's like wearing red, and you've always worn red. Then the Bloods became a street gang that wore red. You know what I mean? <laughs> so where it wasn't necessarily a bad thing to be a Slytherin. You had your views. It doesn't make you inherently evil. I right. do think, like you mentioned, their shrewdness, their way of going around rules, not necessarily breaking them, but knowing how to skirt the line mm-hmm. to see yeah. your goals come to fruition. But So go ahead. Mer- Merlin's a Slytherin. There you go. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. There you go. Uh, but yeah, I put him in Slytherin. You put sure. him in Slytherin. Okay. Yep. Now, for me, Qui-Gon. I will put Qui-Gon, because see, when I think of Qui-Gon Jinn for what I saw in the movies, and I'm not big on the Star Wars, Star Wars books or anything like that, which is why I do a Harry Potter podcast, <laughs> but I would I see him kind of in the similar light that I see Dumbledore in, you know what I mean? Except he was a little bit more hands-on sure. about protecting the people closest to him. He died mm-hmm. protecting Obi-Wan Kenobi, because I don't think right. he thought Obi-Wan could take Darth Maul, Right. I don't know how he was written as a character, but because of his rebelliousness, he went around rules in a similar way that I think somebody like a more Gryffindorist anyway, like, like James a James Fred. Potter, Fred and George Weasley, you know what I mean? They skirted around while still staying a part of the association they were with. And for those reasons, and died nobly trying to, you know, died for the greater good. For those reasons, I would sort Qui-Gon Jinn in the Gryffindor, but that's just me. I would also, that was also what I leaned towards. I leaned towards Gryffindor, but I did think that of the other ones, I mean, he's so far from a Hufflepuff. He's like, he's a Jedi, but he does his own thing, which is unheard of. It's like being a monk, but you play guitar and smoke weed. It's like, okay, you're doing your own thing. Um, So I would lean towards Gryffindor. He's also really smart, but he's not as smart as he thinks he is because he thinks he knows best with the Anakin situation, and he kind of miscalculates. Kind of. So that's what got me off of Ravenclaw. No, he made the biggest mistake of his life as he was dying, on, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, he, was, he begged Obi-Wan to train Anakin, and then the council was right. He's too old. No. He's too emotionally conflicted. But didn't yeah. it work, though, because Vader destroys the Emperor, ultimately? That, didn't it he work? Did. But after, he, he after killed the kids. Jedi were destroyed and you had 30 years of oppression under the Empire. Yeah. Sometimes you got to crack some eggs. <laughs> Maybe that <laughs> you know, needed to happen. Maybe it was important for that look, kind of... Voldemort didn't uh, want to kill anybody, yeah. but he had a Horcrux, a seven Horcrux chandelier and his dream catcher and he just had to make it happen <laughs> you you must be stopped okay but buddy the next the next question that i have for you and this is something that i've been interested in that's why i'm so happy to have you on here um i'm trying i'm trying not to fan out i'm not you know it's crazy i've met motherfuckers that are quote-unquote world famous yeah Mind not quote-unquote fully world famous fully world famous yeah. meanwhile when like having you and if we get like the well, other folks from the YouTube I mean, channels I've watched on here, I'm like a kid in a fucking candy store. So know well, that. Well, I want you to go home when if you're not already home and think that you really done something that impacted some people. Now I 
I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. No doubt, because if you look up my stand-up, you'll realize I don't compliment people just to compliment them. <laughs> Fucking, here's my question. When you cast the people that play that play James Potter, Sirius Remus, fucking Pettigrew, um, mm-hmm. Snape, and Lily, I don't know that I've seen better casting. What went into, like, even the look. Yeah. Even the look. It was perfect. It was fucking brilliant. So yeah. I want to know two things. One, when you casted these people, what was it that you were looking for? And two... When you think about those characters like James, Sirius, Pettigrew, and Remus in particular, what what's what are, what are the main personality traits that they had that stuck out to you that made casting those people easier? Because I always did see James as this hopeless jock that was a bit of a dick. And I always saw Sirius as the stupid follower that was willing to do anything. Because Sirius Black to me did never really stopped being a black, if that makes right. sense. He wasn't like chaotic evil as a lot of his family were, but the the fucking tribalism that they had, Sirius had that shit bad. Yeah. So go ahead. So when I when I was doing the casting, it, the looks were very important because there's a look that uh, every character has. It's described in the books and it's described. Um, and you see it in the movies. So people already have a vision of what they want these characters to look like. So I want to get it as close as I can, but it's it's still a close second to acting performance on the part of the actors. So uh, I wanted to make sure that um, each character had a certain uh, appeal that I could describe in like a few words. Mm-hmm. So James Potter is jockey and bullying. Um, Sirius Black is... Uh, carefree rock star. Um, Remus Lupin is uh, cautious, um, and Peter Pettigrew is fearful. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I wanted to see if people could, um, who, who came in, would really understand these characters based on how I wrote them. And I wanted to make sure that with every audition, every every person who came in gave them, had, they had as much information as they could because the biggest thing that happened with this movie, and I knew it would, is that everybody interprets how I decided to portray these characters differently. Some people were like, you got it right on. Other people were like, you didn't get it right at all. Mm-hmm. And that's their opinion, and I totally respect it. Um, I don't Jay- fuck their <laughs> opinions. I don't yeah. respect it at all. I really if, don't. If you look, if you, there's nothing about James Potter besides him having Harry that's endearing about that dude. Yeah. Nothing, mm-hmm. and I felt that way well, before I ever saw um, <laughs> Sirius and the Marauders. So uh, Snape and yeah. the Marauders. Excuse me. I, I saw James Potter as endearing when he's with his friends, and his and he's got no one around to arouse his oh. nastier side. Um, Interesting. And one of the things that Remus and Sirius said is that he mellowed out as he grew up from 15 to 17 uh and that's and they didn't say exactly why lily you know finally started taking a liking to him i actually go into that in my podcast sequel series the great wizarding war uh which is a sequel to snape and the marauders um yes but the uh to me i wanted to show james as endearing and as a good guy and that he's learning and growing at the very beginning of the movie Mm -hmm. and then snape comes in and i have a shot where he literally goes into shadow because he 
like it gets the the dark side of him is brought out by Snape. Yeah. And then he just turns into a total like you know jerk the whole the whole movie until he gets his butt handed to him, mm-hmm. and then he didn't have to. Um, he had the chance to stay silent and Snape take the blame for him getting beat up, but he took the blame. Now uh, that and that was me making sure that James was. Uh, James was showing a sense of growth and the Garrett Schwackhauser who plays uh, James Shout out. he just from the very beginning did a fantastic job of portraying uh, a, a more complex jock bully mm-hmm. there's more to him than just being a, a, a jerk he, he really understood um, uh, not only how to act like a bully to get under someone's skin but he understood his motivations as to why and that was really important to me he's not just a bully because he's a bully He's a bully because he's threatened by Snape in se- for several reasons. Yes. So he did a great job at that. And all the actors understood what their part was, and that's how they got cast, is that not only did they have a good look for their characters, but they really understood um, the meaning behind their characters, and they understood that it was complex. What they what they all did, for me anyway, is that they captured, they captured the emotional complexities of the characters they were portraying, 100%. Right. Now, having said that, I'm I'm glad that you mentioned the thing about that shot because I was actually going to ask you about that. So you beat me to it. When you had Lily show up and then James took the blame. Now, I understand that was supposed to be an endearing moment for him, but this is just how I saw it. And it didn't endear me to him at all because it's like, motherfucker, you started this. You know what I mean? What endeared me, I was more endeared to Snake, less endeared to Lily and James in that moment, only because... In that moment, you see where, and this is just what I tell people in general, don't fuck with people who aren't fucking with you, okay? (laughs) Leave people alone. You don't get to hit somebody and then go back and be like, oh, I'm sorry. No, if he would have killed him, and I'm glad (laughs) that you chose the um, killing curse to be the one that Snake was in the middle of because I think more people need to understand. You don't get to provoke harm hurt, embarrass people, and then pick how they respond. You don't get to pick people's reactions. If you leave people alone, you don't end up at the bottom of a tree stump getting whipped with whatever Snape was whipping his ass with, and then go, oh, sir, I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) No, you don't get to be sorry, because you created this. So I've been reading a little bit online about the the James Potter defender community, And uh, one thing I will say, and you alluded to it, and I think that it is a fair point. So James uh, was scared of Snape because Snape, I mean, we kind of all know, even though some people are in denial, Snape is a better wizard by any measure than James Potter. Uh, So James Potter was scared of Snape. And James was also somebody who viewed Death Eaters and ultimately Slytherins as the only threat to equality and James his redemptive quality is that he is so pro equality he's probably the most pro werewolf character of his day the uh, same way Hermione is the most pro house elf character of her day I, I I don't I don't know man y'all willing to give him credit no, no, but, but here's not... but here's the parallel I'll say to James Potter James Potter is like a straight dude who's friends with and it, uh, JK Rowling made the parallel between uh, werewolves and the gay community during the time of AIDS. So I'm not, I didn't invent that parallel. She did. But, uh, yeah. so James Potter is like the dude from that era, straight dude who doesn't have AIDS, who's friends with a dude who does have AIDS, mm-hmm. who just 
kills a politician for no reason just because he's like you guys aren't talking about aids it's like yeah that's valid but don't just gun down a congressman you know yeah see my 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 (laughs) thing with that is so and this is this is a trope that happens a lot in life and you see it a lot in in politics he's like a violent protester that's a better parallel well no you see it a lot in politics and i don't know what you think on this justin but i feel a lot of times whether conservative whether liberal quote unquote for both sides you get a lot of people becoming the thing that they hate yeah, right. James Potter's Antifa. That's what he is. Well, I, I, I believe that's because they're, that that we have a we have a, a social media machine that manipulates them into isolating themselves into their own ideals, bubbling themselves, and getting more and more extreme. And I don't even think it's an American. I don't even. I think it's both a a, a bad consequence of a good idea and uh, a lot of foreign influences that are just wanting to put more chaos into this country. True. <laughs> now, now, having yeah. said both of those things, when we take something like what we were talking about in regards to a James Potter, who was somebody that did care about equality, but then you treated somebody the way that you treated less them than because they less were, than. for all intents and purposes, different than you. And yeah. at the end of the day, I felt that people like, because I think he respects Snape a lot. And this is headcanon, of course. I thought he respected <laughs> Snape a lot more than he was willing to um, admit. You yeah. know what I mean? Because you're acknowledging him. You're acknowledging him by ganging up on him. You understand if it's just you, you probably wouldn't want to fuck with him. <laughs> well, it's like when Donald Trump like attacks someone, it's because he actually feels threatened by yes. him. Like, yes. He hasn't even bothered with Bernie Sanders because he doesn't see him as a threat. But as soon as Bernie Sanders, if he becomes the nominee, he's going to tear him. He's going to work his butt off yeah, to tear yeah. him apart as much as possible. Oh, yeah, as much as much as he can. But he's too busy focusing on um, Joe Biden. <laughs> Joe shit. Yeah. But we, you know, we try to stay away from the pot. Well, I did no, just no, say no. James Potter was in TV. I mean, just, I'm just saying about. that Trump, Trump is a bully, but he's a bully towards people that he, that because he has a because he's yeah because he's scared. You know what I mean? You got you got to keep try to stay a step ahead of your enemies. I'm not comparing Donald Trump to James Potter. James Potter is no, a no, better guy. No, no, I'm comparing James Trump. Potter to Antifa. I think Trump is like a combination between Cornelius Fudge and Rita Skeeter. Hilarious, <laughs> hilarious, and so fucking true. <laughs> Now, what did you, what did you think? I'm I'm trying to remember if I heard this right, because um, in 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 your thing, Sirius hits Sirius not Sirius Snape hits Remus with Septim Semper, right? Yes, cutting him pretty bad, but he's also he's also the person that goes to visit him and heal him up from it. That's right. Those two, me and Will have been saying this a lot. Those two to me, I felt like should have been friends. Now, if you oh would, if you would have had the pen, would you have written those two as friends if you could have controlled the verse? Did you listen? To, did you listen to episode two? I've listened. I've listened to everything, dog. Yeah, we said that wives. We we're on the exact same page. They could have been friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I were the writer, um, no, I wouldn't have because that creates um, that creates a resolution that you know needs to be earned, and then. Uh, Snape's problem is that he can't learn to forgive. Um, he can't learn to let go of old resentments. Um, part of the arc that I'm working on Snape in as the series goes on, I actually just finished writing the final episodes, uh, is that he can't learn to get past his own hatreds and biases. Well, what they year... motivate him. What year do you think that Snape forgives Harry for James? Because I don't think it happens year one, 
But I am not somebody who believes that it happened at Snape's death. I think it happened before that. I don't know if he ever did. I think he likened, I think his motivations uh, to protect Harry were likened to his love for Lily. See, I think he's very, that... He's a very selfish dude. He was like, when he begged Dumbledore to save Harry, he done, he begged Dumbledore to, or I'm sorry, begged Dumbledore to save Lily. He be, like Dumbledore specifically said, but he can go ahead and kill Lily and James. And he was like, yeah, kill, I don't care. Kill about James them. and Harry. Yeah. Or kill James and Harry. Yeah. yeah. And, and Dumbledore's like, you disgust me. So that's, 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 that's Snape in a nutshell. He's very single track minded. And, and it's the fact that he's so single track minded that he risked his life so many times for Harry, saved Harry's life so many times and say, and sacrifice himself to save the great wizard or to save the wizarding world all because he he knew in his heart it was the right thing to do but i think that was more of a deep 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 in the darkest part of his bile filled heart that he knew it was the right thing to do his conscious motivation on the surface was i want to do good by lily so um, i think that's a fair reading but i think nico has a different reading I'm, I'm like literally I couldn't have asked for this to go any better because at, at only because as you said that I disagree so hard I feel like it and I feel like it has a, its own chronological a chronological order to itself right at the start of it ha- Snape hates James he loves Lily he doesn't know Harry he doesn't know Harry so it's sure. easy for me to say I don't kill the motherfucker just save Lily Right, and if you go, you disgust me. It's like, oh, oh, okay, fine, save them all. Then he doesn't right. know Harry. Yeah. He hates James. So to want James and Harry to both die, a hundred percent makes sense in under that context. Now, mm-hmm. when he gets to know Harry, I do believe that the parts about Harry that annoyed him would, and I think it was just annoyance. I think it was an uncle-like annoyance, where it's right. like. Oh fuck! You remind me of your father. Yeah, like yeah, you for look nothing exactly father. like him except you, for the eyes. Yeah, you look you look exactly like him. And I, I I've, I'm on the people that think every time he fucked with Harry was just so he'd get closer to look at it, look into his <laughs> eyes because he missed Lily so much. I'm one of those people. But that makes sense. He's just so complicated. He's like, God, you look like James. I'm gonna smack you around. But then I get close enough to you, and you have her green eyes. And uh... <laughs> and he ha- and he has his mom's heart. I don't as much. He yes. has his dad's instincts, but I think he has his, his dad's brain. Yes, but he has his mother's heart. So having yeah. said that, I think he grew as time goes on <laughs> to become more close to Harry as he was to his mother. Yeah, because they connected on that level. And then only after finding out what he found out about um, Snape did Harry understand Snape's feelings. I think J.K. might have to come out. Otherwise, us um, <laughs> consumers can argue about it all day. Not argue, talk about it all day. But Well, you know what's so funny is I think that uh, – so Nico is definitely a Slytherin. And I think that's like a very Slytherin reading mm-hmm. of – Snape's actions like it gives a lot of credit to Snape and also it's very it's very uh honest that this is an aspect of humanity that people care a lot more about people they care about than they do about strangers or people that they dislike whereas Justin what house would you say that you are I'm a Gryffindor you're a gr- um, yeah so that makes I, sense I, to me that you look at you're looking at more of Snape through the lens of like a hero's journey thing mm-hmm. and 
Oh uh, no, I don't see him as a hero's journey. I see him as an anti-hero tragedy. But you at know, the end, I, it's uh, he does the heroic thing. But the, yeah, he but does that, do the but, heroic but thing. But that's the tragedy. It, okay. Yeah, that's the tragedy, right? So, like, he, he self-sacrificed for it mm-hmm. for another who he hated and loved at the same time. That's still um, very Gryffindorish to me. Whereas I'm a Ravenclaw. He, he had a Gryffindor moment, and I feel like even the marketing team of Harry Potter like knew that. No, so I'm the, saying the that lens poster of Snape had a Gryffindor scarf in the background. I'm saying so. that that lens of how you view Snape is very Gryffindorish to me. Of like, to be fair. Yeah. I always thought of myself as a Ravenclaw. Everyone else calls me a Gryffindor. Okay. Yeah, so. I, 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 I prefer Ravenclaw. That's what I got in the thing. But for considering where my emotions usually are <laughs> at the start of these things, I'm I'm slithering. But we can also admit that the sorting hat was on drugs. Like, we can admit <laughs> that, right? Yeah, there's a lot of mistakes in there. <laughs> that shit made a lot. The fact that Peter Pettigrew was in Gryffindor is ridiculous. Isn't it's it great, though? Like, the Sorting Hat was built by these four people, each with their own biases, except glitches. for uh, uh, Helga Hufflepuff. She didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's built by these four people, one of which was kind of racist. Mm-hmm. And so even this silly hat has complicated issues. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I, that's that's why I think Peter Pettigrew was able to get into uh, Gryffindor, because it's that Hufflepuff shit of, oh, nigga, I don't care. Go also, you, please. I bet you... So uh, he, I, no, I think he asked for it. He really... He did. Felt, he begged he for it. He really liked James, and he felt safe mm-hmm. around James. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the rationale. He saw the Gryffindors as powerful people, and he felt he feels safety in power. I'm mm-hmm. gonna go into that more in Wizarding War. I hinted at it in Snape and the Marauders. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go into it more. I'm actually gonna answer the question as to how Peter Pettigrew joins the other side. I I'm, can't. I'm actually seriously looking forward to that episode. Well, let's let's talk about Wizarding War. But one time, I just want to say my Ravenclaw lens of seeing Snape because it's different than both of yours, and I think that all three of them are really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. So I look at Snape like. When he, when James, or when Harry showed up at Hogwarts, there was, he was, he was still trying to, he was still kind of the same guy that had those feelings about James. But to me, the moment where in his memories, where they talk about, uh, where him being mad at Dumbledore for raising Harry for a lamb for slaughter, that shows me that at some point while Harry was at Hogwarts, Snape felt differently about him and really viewed him as a full, a person worthy of life separate from Lily. And that, to me, lets me know that Snape changed his mind about Harry before the moment he died. Well, see, here's what's funny. I thought, and this is why you should say things, is that, (laughs) no, I'm talking about for me, because I thought we all were, like, coming coming to this, you know, conversation, knowing that he said that. You know what I mean? Because that's the line that stuck out to me. He's like, so, he looked at Dumbledore like he was fucking crazy. He's like, so you mean to tell me that we did all of this to raise him like a lamb for slaughter. He went from feeling how Justin felt about Dumbledore to feeling how you, Nico, feel about Dumbledore yeah. in a moment. To where it's so like... What, when what he, defense, like go when, ahead, we, we were saying that Snape went, in that moment when he asked Dumbledore, uh, we, so this whole time we've been raising Harry like a pig for slaughter. He went from feeling like you feel about Dumbledore, you know, that like he's a good guy and all that, to how I feel about Dumbledore. Where it's like, motherfucker, you're basically a killer that just is patient. Yeah. That's all you're telling me. So, I don't know. I... So, to defend, to defend Dumbledore just for a second. Here you go. <laughs> just for a second. Because I agree with everything you're saying and I still love the guy. I think he's so fascinating. Yeah, likewise. Um, I do think he's fascinating. 
the end of book four is when he realized what Harry, uh, what happened to Harry when he when he put when Voldemort put his own blood in him, mm-hmm. um, or when Voldemort put Harry's blood in him to finish the ritual. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Dumbledore had a slight glimmer of triumph mm-hmm. because he realized what uh, he did to Harry mm-hmm. in that moment. He allowed him to. Uh, uh, if he gets killed to come back yeah because he has a piece of Voldemort in him and he knows that he's gonna have to die but in order because when Harry dies that's the last Horcrux that yes needs to be needs to be destroyed in order for Voldemort to be totally destroyed mm-hmm. you're not going to tell a 14 year old boy in order for this wizarding world to be saved you have to die mm-hmm. he needed him to go through a lot of trial and growth in order to accept his own fate yes a hundred percent. The only reason he loses points because of that um great that great um you know foresight that he had, knowing that and the empathy that he had not to tell a fourteen year old that he was gonna die was that he didn't tell anybody else that could have died like McGonagall, like <coughs> or Kingsley, yeah. like the people that he could and should have trusted. We're not but, even saying Arthur Weasley needed to know. <laughs> the fact that Minerva McGonagall knew nothing about this is insane to me. And considering the fact that he knew Harry was going to have to leave school anyway, it completely disregards the fact that you have a whole school of wizarding children that will be victims of this war that you left haphazardly unprotected with no information (laughs) of what you planned, completely open and at the use of the Carols, the Death Eaters, and Voldemort. Because there's only so much Snape could do because he has to protect his fucking job. Al scores dropped yeah. off a lot under the Karos, just so we all know. <sighs> now, there's, um, we getting close to the wrap here, brother. Well, so we got to talk about uh, Wizarding Wars. His, we, uh, I know that. Oh, yeah, cool. So, I was going to actually ask you some rapid fire questions, and then we want to talk about your next project. You can join Sounds us good. for If They Were Black, and then we'll wrap up. So, just some. <laughs> oh, my God. Just some rapid fire, some rapid fire questions for you. Here we go. Favorite Hogwarts teacher? Uh, shoot. <laughs> um, it's a tie between Slughorn and McGonagall. Okay, okay cool. I like that. Fav- oh, and Remus Lupin, of course. A three way tie. A three way tie. Okay. Now, of the three of them, who will win in a duel? Huh. Um, McGonagall. Yeah. Okay, my boy. All right. I like I like you, man. You're on the right track so far. Favorite defense against the dark arts teacher outside of Lupin? Outside of Lupin. Um like as far as like fun to read, it would be uh what's his name? Um the dumb one in year two. Okay, <laughs> Lockhart. Oh, you you killing yeah. me. You're killing me. You already know who is the best. Well, in terms of who is the best one though, who would you say? Who's the best who's, outside of that? Who's um, the best? Not outside. Who was yeah. the most effective teacher? I'm sorry. Dark, from defense well, Remus Dark. was the most effective, but if I can't choose Remus, then actually he's probably Snape. So wow. he's teaching them how to how to do uh, spells silently. Oh, you're killing me. He killed Nico stands for uh, Barty Crouch Jr. as a great teacher. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I, ch- I rescind. You're right. Okay, good. I'm, I'm so happy. Because I, I was going to be so hurt. <laughs> I was gonna you just so wanted your, your validation on that. I was, was going to go unsubscribe. I swear to God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, okay. I mean, like, um, if, if I change my mind, it's like, no, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> so now we got that. Of the, um, of the Marauders, most favorite, least favorite. 
Remus is my favorite. Peter's my least favorite. Even though I'm, he's my favorite to write in Wizarding War right now. Oh. Peter is my favorite. To Why write. is that? He's, he's so much fun. He's so funny. And when I uh, <laughs> get to the episode where he has this huge moment where uh, his journey for turning to the other side begins, uh, I can't wait to do that moment. Okay. That, that moment. sounds awesome. Sound, yeah. it, sound, it sounds fucking You're, amazing. Nico's going to get so mad when Pettigrew just goes through his inner monologue about why he should be a Death Eater and just be Voldemort's bitch, you're going to be furious. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm 100% probably going to yell at the computer screen, but I'm sure they'll do a great job. So yeah. that's all that matters. Next question. I only got two more for you. Um, Sirius Black, was his death his fault or not? Man, that's like... That's like saying a person is driving on a car on a cell phone and gets hit by a drunk driver. Nah, no it ain't. Mm -mm. Oh, I, I like that metaphor. Why don't you like it? I'll tell you why I don't like it. Because you went there to fight. <laughs> you went there to uh, fight. Oh, that's true. You, he that, chose to fight, you, so it was the right thing to do. You shot. Um, you but shot. he fought a wizard superior to him. Ooh. Okay. I honest, honestly, I think Bellatrix. It's is like if a person was on a cell phone driving a tank and got hit by another drunk tank driver. Right. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, Sirius is really Sirius is really really good on his own right. Um, Bellatrix is but is also really powerful and she's she's chaotically insane. There's no strategy to that girl. You can't predict her. The only thing um, you know is she's gonna be sexy. <laughs> <laughs> It's the only thing you know about Beltrix going into a situation. <laughs> she gonna be yeah. bad as and, hell. And, like, she, and she was, she was playing like I, the list, the episode I listened to. I agree that when she was fighting Sirius, she was playing softball. Mm -hmm. um, while it's really hard to cast a killing curse, I think it takes a lot of energy out of you, and you have to really concentrate, which is why people don't do it all the time. Um, it's it's funny that they never really go into the semantics around that whole thing. And it's also ridiculous to me that nobody, I guess because it, it quote unquote splits your soul or whatever, but if that was the case, Bellatrix would have, you know, a million fucking horcruxes. But, well, well, it splits your soul, but you're, when, you, when you make a horcrux, you're passing that piece of your soul onto an object. You still have your split pieces inside your soul uh, until you use a horcrux, until you create a horcrux. You're 100% right. Now cut me <laughs> off again. I'm fucking with you. Um, I was going to say that. Because from what I from what I read, and I don't know, maybe I misread it. Correct me, Will or um, Just, but I always thought it said that um, Sirius was supposed to be a really, really good duelist, like something out of this fucking world. And when he was going against Bellatrix, he had the upper hand, but he started gloating, and in his gloating, he got knocked through the fucking um, uh, the veil. Well, Bellatrix sure. was like the top of her year, and she's like five years. Seven years older than Sirius. Okay, fair enough. So it's like different eras. Just like Molly was an elite duelist of her year, mm -hmm. but she never went against Snape or any of the Marauders because she's older than them. And well, Kingsley was the lead of his year, but he's younger. Gotcha. Well, Molly should have went up against Bellatrix well, later. That's true. <laughs> one other factor, though, why Sirius is not at the top of his game at that time. Mm -hmm. He was in prison for 12 years. Well, wasn't Bellatrix in prison like right around now? I don't know. Leo went to oh. prison in The Departed, and he got better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he went. That's true. He was in prison. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. She went to prison a couple of years later. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And I mean, I think they're really close to each other's skill levels, but I think that uh, Bellatrix would have would have been a shade better. Mm -hmm. I bet in Azkaban. I bet in Azkaban there are wizards with sticks that are just practicing dueling and stuff. Right. Like the same Maybe way in prison, there's people. 
just weightlifting, like getting ready to kill somebody. Well, well, you got people like Anson and Dollahoff, who I don't know if they made a big enough deal out of in the movie. Like if that, if there's one Death Eater, I don't know if you plan on doing anything with him. But if there's a motherfucker I would like to see more about is Anson and Dollahoff, because that's a bad boy. That's a bad <laughs> motherfucker, man. So, um, I guess I'll just go ahead and reveal this because it's not a big deal because it's not exactly a spoiler. Uh, episode eight. Exclusive, introduce... baby. Hold on. Let me lead, I... let me lead you in, brother. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. We got an exclusive here on the Pot of Hood podcast. Now, tell us, tell us what you're going to tell us, bro. Episode eight, I introduce Fabian and Gideon Pruitt, Molly's brothers. Okay, that's cool. Who are the first visiting war uh, equivalents of Fred and George. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And are they the same demeanor are... as Fred and George? Huh? They're the, they have the same demeanor as Fred and George. We have no idea. I gave them my own demeanor, and I'm gonna leave it leave it leave it at that. I uh, want you guys to just hear it because it's pretty hilarious. Work. Um But the uh, it, you can't I can't introduce the Pruitts without introducing Dolahov. Okay. My man, my guy. My last question for you, and I'm very interested in what you think on this, is, so, do you think, who holds the most responsibility, in your opinion, for Voldemort coming back in book four? Who holds the most responsibility for that, in your opinion? Um, I mean, Barty Crouch did the most work to, to make it happen. He's, he manipulated the entire tournament. Okay. Yeah. Barty Crouch. Will, who you think? I was going to say, uh, I mean, probably to me, just Dumbledore for not realizing what happened with Sirius and Pettigrew. And he knew who the secret keeper was. And he knew that Pettigrew's Animagi was a rat. And he should have. He should have confiscated Scabbers at some point in those three Hilarious! Years. <laughs> That's I've me. never fucking even thought of that. Yeah, just confiscate Scabbers. Figure it out. That's To me, it's on Dumbledore. How? Yeah! <laughs> I don't know. That's I'm anti I mean, I'm not as anti-Dumbledore as me, but I'm a little anti-Dumbledore I, that, with that stuff. I never thought about that because you would think he, of all people, would have been able to put two and two together. I think Dumbledore kind of was rooting for the prophecy to fully come true and didn't want to get in the way of it, which I honestly think Fair. is lame. Like, I think Dumbledore should have had more faith in humanity now, than that. Now, here's my, my opinion on that. I think that the people most responsible for the Voldemort coming back in book four are Harry, Ron, Hermione, Sirius, and fucking Lupin because you should have killed Peter Pettigrew when you had the chance. So much would have been avoided if they would have just killed Pettigrew. To this day, I understand, of course, literally why they saved him. No blame on Snape for not trusting Lupin in that moment. Because I get put a little blame on Snape. Well, for Harry that. convinced uh, Remus and Sirius not to kill Peter too. Right. So his dad, his dad wouldn't want that to happen. But they didn't have the foresight of, of Voldemort coming back. But that it's so. it's but that's but that's what I'm saying. Even though they didn't have that stuff, because of course I'm not saying they had a crystal ball. If they had a crystal ball, they probably would have acted accordingly. What I'm saying is, in that moment, you let this 12 year old like change your opinion when you should have just put his ass to sleep and got rid of Peter Pettigrew for multiple reasons. Number one, if you would have brought Pettigrew's body back dead, you would have cleared Sirius's name. You would have had Snape there to corroborate the story, even though he definitely would not have wanted to. 
And it would have it would have kept at least probably a couple more years off Voldemort coming back. That's just my personal opinion. And sure. brother, last name that you get to do with us is play our favorite segment, which is if they were black. So usually we take a famous person or whatever, but this time we're doing an object from the yeah, Harry Potter. So normally world. we do characters, but since you're doing serious or Snape and the Marauders, since you're doing Snape and the Marauders. Or since you did Snape and the Marauders and you're doing the Wizarding Wars, uh, we thought that the Marauders map, the object of the Marauders map, would it, be the perfect object. So if it were black, what would change, <laughs> if anything, about the Marauders map? I, I got God. some. I got some stuff for it, Justin. If you want to, if you want a moment to think about it. Yeah. Would you like? Would you like to go last? Yeah. I'm gonna think about it. Yeah. Okay. You you think about it and then get your because I can hear the political correctness in his brain starting to turn right now. Okay. What can I get to say? What can the Marauders map? I'll say this: if the Marauders map were black, I think there would be commentary next to names like oh, (laughs) (laughs) like oh, Jenny's out pretty late, huh? (laughs) I think it would be commentary by their names too, like Death Eater, stay away. Uh, yeah. uh, snitch. Beware. Snitch. Yeah, I wouldn't even say pedigree. Just say snitch on the map. I feel like. I feel the, go ahead. I I feel like if if uh, if the Marauders map were black, mm-hmm. then it wouldn't say Sever Snape on the map. It would say this motherfucker. There, there you go. There you go. It would have their nickname. It would say yeah. Snively. It would say snivelling. Whatever you, whatever like the the term you use, like endearment or hatred that you had, yeah. like if it was made by like like people who hated muggles or whatever, that shit would just say mud blood every goddamn where. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, oh man, okay. Uh, uh, I feel like the insults would have been a lot more cutting yeah. when people who didn't uh know how to open it oh, tried to that's open it. Great. Yeah, for sure. Like it would have said, like when Snape would have tried to open it, it would said, "James, fuck your bitch." <laughs> uh, Arthur tries to open it. Is like, good luck, Whitey. <laughs> no, that shit would have told him how poor he was. Get your, get your broke ass wand off this map. Uh, don't worry, dog. It's fine if you can't come up with any more. We're comedians. We get to have this Broke-ass werewolf. Broke-ass broke werewolf. werewolf. Well, the map, would, the map it, should be pro-werewolf. It would, it, it would be pro-werewolf because it would have to recognize Lupin still. Yeah. You know? That's another thing that um that Lupin didn't really like have a big reaction yeah. when he found the Marauder's map in the movie. And that it, always kind of pissed me off. That yeah. always kind of pissed me off because it's like word, word dog. He poker faced it. it. He, he poker faced it, but you created yeah. it. Like when him and Harry had yeah. that little moment in the um, in the um classroom, I feel like he should have been a little bit more like, "What the fuck? <laughs> How did you? Where did you? Why do you have this?" Did yeah, he was right. and more of the staff should have been privy to it again. Nobody trusted McGonagall. It seems like I will say this: if the Marauders map were black. Probably stays with Fred and George for forever. Harry probably never gets it back. I think it loves those two. Yeah, 100%. Right. They're way more fun. And Lee Jordan probably would have been the main one. Used. They'd be like, okay, Lee can have us, but Fred and George <laughs> can look at us sometimes. There you go. Brother, let me ask you. Did you enjoy yourself here on the Potterhood Podcast? Absolutely, guys. It was so much fun. 
Thank Thanks you. for coming on. Thank you for joining us. Like I said, I'm a big fan. And when you write the next part of The Wizarding War, I live in New York City. I don't give a fuck who you cast. I don't care <laughs> where, why, or how you cast. If I don't get a part, I am going to flip shit. I'll even say it on here. You don't have to pay me my rate. You just have to make sure I eat and get traveled. I would love to be a part of whatever it is you're coming up with. It don't have to be now, but it just has to be. You have it on tape. Can I hear you, can I hear you British? Can huh? I hear you British? Are all your actors can British? British? Uh, you can hear my British on the audition tape. <laughs> all right. That is, uh, so what does that mean? Oh, you're going to start working on it? Oh, oh, there is an idea that I have, but I almost don't want to give it to him. Yeah. You understand? No, we'll, he well, we can talk about our... Yeah, that. we can talk about it. Let's talk about it. Okay. So me and Will had this idea of something that we think are cool. Oh yeah, tell us what do you think of tell yeah tell. So Kingsley, right? And Kingsley is one of my favorite characters that I think is very um, undershined in the movies. And there's something about him coming up in, as an aura and things like that. So kind of like a cop show, but we have Mad Eye and we have Kingsley. He's coming up under Mad Eye. Mad Eye's training him and all that stuff, and just his journey while being trained, becoming an aura. Like forty-eight hours, but with Kingsley and Mad Eye. There you go. I love it. Yeah, I love go. that idea. That's fantastic. That sounds fun, right? Yeah, we're gonna. I mean, we gotta we gotta do some more Harry Potter stuff. But uh, do you ever set? Do you ever cast non-British actors, or are all the actors British? Because it sounds Every- like. Yeah. Oh no, there there oh, there was only a few British and Irish. Uh, they just they're not in quantity here in L.A. Yeah, I'm about to say. Um, um, my yeah. my British is decent. However, my comedy is great. So if you need <laughs> right. somebody to play a short comedic role, I don't need to be there for a long time. Just want to say some shit, and I want to be recurring. I know that's a lot of demands, but fuck it, I got you on my podcast. How dare I not say this to you? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, so it'll never happen, but don't say I ain't put my bid in. Well, thanks. Hey, Just, you know, I mean, yeah. it is an audio drama. If you've got a good mic and you want a little cameo role, then all I need to hear is you can do British. Well, you hear this voice. Let's get it happening. Yeah, let's uh, right. and tell people where they can find Wizarding Wars because uh, it's I mean, I've been listening. It's amazing. And uh, it's, you know, if you're a Harry Potter fan, you're going to get addicted to it. Yes, 100 yeah, percent. So. Go ahead. Let them know where they can find it. Episode seven just came out, um, and uh, on po- on podcasts everywhere: Google, Apple, Spotify, uh, wherever you like. Uh, it'll come out on YouTube uh, soon. Uh, we always add a little bit of a um, like cool interrogation video scene in the beginning for mm-hmm. YouTube people, and then we add uh, artwork that fans created for each episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll come out really soon. I've been watching uh, on YouTube, and I didn't know it was on Spotify, and that's great for me because I can listen like on the train and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's it's meant to be listened to first. The visuals are just like you know, fun icing on the cake. Dope. So, yeah. Now, where can they find you on social media, bro? Um, you can just look up my name, Justin Zagri, on Facebook, uh, J Z A G R I on Twitter, Justin Z Director on Instagram. Uh, I'm re- I'm not really on Twitter very much, but I'm on Instagram a lot. So. Um, that's where you can find me. There you go. Find the man on Instagram. Make sure you tell him you found him here on the Potterhood podcast and demand that Nico gets the <laughs> voice in his name. So, Nico, are you are you saying that who's your dream character to play? Is it Kingsley? Or? My, no, 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 no. My dream <laughs> character to play is just somebody like a bartender that takes the piss oh, yeah. out of somebody else. You know what I mean? Got it. Aberforth. Perfect. There, there you go. <laughs> I just want to play somebody that's snarky. That's it. Now, 
Me, you can find me on Instagram at NicoWhite93. That is N-E-K-O-W-H-I-T-E-9-3. I want to shout out the good people that reached out to me for my show. And I think we had somebody from the Potterhood come yeah. to the show. So I want to say I appreciate y'all. Thank y'all for starting the show out. It was amazing. The audience was fantastic. Will came by, which oh, was lovely. Yeah. And um, I'm really, 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 really excited about where things go from here. Only upwards and onwards. Oh, and to old girl, let me make sure I find her name. I'm sorry. Here, I'll, I'll do my Instagram while you do that. Go for it. Uh, so <laughs> thanks, guys, for listening. This is Will. You can find me on Instagram at Will Posnan, W-I-L-L-P-O-Z-N-A-N. And, uh, yeah, it's it's Halloween almost. So if you want to see my four-month-old baby in an astronaut costume, that'll <laughs> be in the stories for maybe... 48 hours. There you go. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you, Justin. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, bro. Will's a whole dad out here. And real <laughs> quick, awesome. I want to shout out Jacette Mar- Marquez. I hope I'm saying your name right. The one and only hippie witch. Yes. You know what I mean? I, play, I played a prank on the last episode where I made Will think I was walking away from the podcast. No, I'm not going away from the podcast. I am part of Hood forever, along with Will and our co-producer, Max. Max, tell them where they can find you, bro. You can find me at uh, Max Marcus Comedy, M-A-X-M-A-R-C-U-S, Comedy, C-U-M-D-E-Y. If you didn't know how to spell yeah. that, that'd be bad. Yeah, I know. The comedy. Uh, there it is. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 23 of the Potterhood Podcast. I'm Nico White. I'm Will Posnan. Mischief, Mischief Managed. managed.